Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. I cannot believe that it's already halfway through July. That's crazy to me. This year is flying by. Next week is the Wellness Realness Retreat. It's already here. I'm so excited. And this week was the launch of the last round of my Paleo Women Lifestyle program before that online course turns into self-study forever. This is the last time I'm running that course as an online group coaching program where you will join our Facebook group. You will get access to me for any of your personal questions as well as all the other women in the group to get to know them. You will also have access to the live video group coaching calls with me and the women in the group. The live calls are so much fun because it's basically me, the other women, people bring in whatever questions they have and we just talk it out and we cover a lot of topics. Pretty much every single thing under the sun. We've probably covered more in those live calls than I even talked about in 200 episodes of this podcast. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. So Monday was the first day of enrollment. I got a lot of messages from people and decided to keep enrollment open until Friday since this is the last round. And some people asked me a few things. So I also decided to create a monthly payment option. So instead of paying everything up front, you can pay in multiple installments if that works better for your budget. And if you are on my email list, you should have gotten an email with a discount code as well. I want you guys to be able to take this opportunity since it is the last time I'm running this program. It's so bittersweet for me because I love it. I love the group. I love the women. I love the live calls. But my business is changing a little bit, so I am moving forward with a few other projects, and this is the last time I will be able to run it as a group. And then after that, all the material will be available just as self-study, but without the group component, so without the Facebook group and the live video coaching calls. So if you want in on this final round, you can go to bit.ly slash paleowomenlifestyle, or head to my website, christinaricewellness.com, and just look under the courses tab. That's where you can enroll. Let me know if you have any questions. I talk about everything we cover. We talk about nutrition, fitness, stress management, balancing your hormones, gut health, spirituality, sexuality, social dynamics, cooking, grocery shopping, Instagram lies, all the things. 
This course can seriously change your life if you give it the opportunity to, and this is the best way to tell the universe that you are ready to hit your health goals. You're ready to heal. You're ready to reach any goals that you have set for yourself. Put it out there. Invest in yourself. Investing in yourself is the number one way to actually reach your health goals. There's lots of studies on this of people who invest in something rather than just trying do it all themselves, they get better results. I'm so dedicated to helping you through this, supporting you along the way, answering all your questions, and I'm just really pumped to have a new group of women in the family. We are like a very tight-knit family. No topic is off limits in that group. We've talked about some very interesting things. If you're in the program already, you know what I'm talking about. But you can head to the program page, bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle to read some testimonials and see what's what's going on. And if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw some awesome video testimonials from some of the ladies in the program. Love them. And those are saved on my Instagram highlights as well. Enrollment will close tomorrow, July 19th, 2019 at midnight and the program starts on Monday, July 22nd. I cannot wait. What else is going on? If you're local to San Diego, I'm hosting a little beauty counter pop-up. So some beauty counter bites, gonna have some beauty counter products out so you can look and we can talk about skincare, makeup, health, wellness. And I'm also going to have some different recipes out for you to taste recipes from my website. So if you are local to San Diego and you would like to come, it's going to be Saturday afternoon, Saturday the 20th from 2 to 4. Just email info at christinaricewellness.com to RSVP. Speaking of skincare, I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, one of my favorite brands in the world, Clear Stem Skincare. And I mean, going back to testimonials again for a second, if you haven't seen the testimonials about Clear Stem, you should definitely check those out because they're pretty amazing. I love Clear Stem because non-toxic skincare is really important to me, but performance is also very important to me. And ClearStem is the best of both worlds. These products work better than anything I've ever tried. And they also are completely non-toxic. They are free of any endocrine disruptors. And this is a big issue I'm seeing with people and their hormones. We really need to be paying attention to the personal care products we use. And a lot of people don't realize that the root of some of their skin issues, including their acne, different signs of aging, could be also linked to the toxins and chemicals found in their products. ClearStem is super unique because it's anti-acne meets anti-aging. So if you have acne concerns, whether that be preventing or eliminating acne, if you have scarring or any dark spots, dark marks left over from acne, or if you are interested in preventing or reversing the signs of aging, including fine lines, wrinkles, again, any sunspots, dark spots, then this product is for you. And I feel like almost everybody falls into that category. It's great for men and women of every age. I know a lot of moms who will say they use it and they bought it for their daughters who are teenagers and struggling with acne. And it's really cool that that type of product can just work for everybody. So ClearStem's original product that I fell in love with is their Cell Renew Collagen Infusion Serum. And this is a game changer. It's great for all skin types, including dry skin, sensitive skin, blemish prone skin, combo skin, and normal skin. I have combo to oily skin and it works amazing for me. It's kind of hard for me to find something that hydrates that doesn't make me 
oily and this hydrates my skin, plumps it without making it oily. The founders originally created this product because they wanted a serum to help fade any scars and marks left behind after breakouts. They also wanted it to be anti-aging and calming for the skin and totally non-toxic. The collagen stem cells in this product along with their targeted botanical extracts just make the perfect formula to really enhance the appearance of your complexion no matter what your skin's going through. It's so calming. It really helps to get rid of any scars or dark marks. It plumps the skin, hydrates the skin. It's great for every skin type. I mean, I just obsess with this and I use it every morning and every evening. You just want to shake up the bottle. They don't use any fillers or binders, so you want to make sure you shake it up so that all the ingredients mixed together because natural separation will occur. So shake it up, um, apply two to three pumps of the Cell Renew all over your face, massage it into your skin. Massaging it in has really enhanced the results for me, which I didn't realize at first. Um, gentle massage motions, increase the circulation that really helps with healing and you can put it on your whole face, on your on your neck, on your lips. It's amazing. And if you do any skin treatments, like if you get any laser treatments or microneedling, dermaplaning, threading done, chemical peels, or anytime your skin is just kind of inflamed or it's gone through a little bit of, quote, trauma, even if it's good trauma, it's really great to put the Cell Renew on to aid in the healing process and reduce inflammation. I like to get microneedling done. I've done quite a few peels as well. I've done laser in the past. And anytime I do any skincare treatment, I just slather this stuff on. It helps the healing process so much. Same with sunburns. If you get sunburnt on your face or anywhere on your body, this stuff is a game changer. The other holy grail product from Clear Stem Skincare is their Clarity Serum. This is their... AHA, PHA acid serum. It has mandelic acid, which is amazing for resurfacing the skin. I recommend starting off just using it once a week, um, and then you can graduate up to a few times a week or even every day if your skin can handle it. An acid is really going to help make a huge change in your skin, help skin cells really turn over. This is where the magic happens. It's a little harsher, so that's why you want to build your way up, but still gentle enough to be used on most skin types. So the way you want to use this is clean skin, apply a few pumps to your fingertips, and then apply it to your face, avoid your eyes, massage it into your skin, and then you want to wait for like 15 to 30 minutes. Let it do its job. It's going to kind of like eat away at any dead skin cells on top. And this is what's going to help to get rid of those dark marks, get rid of any acne, prevent the acne game changer. And then after that sits for about 15 to 30 minutes, that's when I would put on the Cell Renew Serum. So those are the two game-changing products, and I also am absolutely in love with their cleansers. I use their cleansers every single day. Their Gentle Clean is their vitamin-infused calming wash. It's great for all skin types, and it helps to get rid of any makeup left over on your skin. It's really nourishing, hydrating. It doesn't dry out your skin. It smells amazing. It's a really great basic gentle cleanser, and then I also use their vitamin scrub a few times a week. This is their antioxidant infused cleanser. It's also great for all skin types, but it has some of those little smoothing particles in your skin, but they're not too harsh. I know some of these scrubs are just like, they hurt. You know, you're like scrubbing. I don't like that. So I love the vitamin scrub because the little beads are nice and soft, but they're still effective. 
So if you are interested in transforming your skin, you definitely need to try out ClearStem Skincare. Just go to clearstemskincare.com and you can use my discount code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, for $15 off your purchase of $40 or more. Again, that's clearstemskincare.com and my discount code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, will get you $15 off of your purchase of $40 or more. And also on their website, you can find their list of pore clogging ingredients, which is a really great reference. I always use this whenever I buy a new skincare product because I want to make sure that the ingredients don't have major pore cloggers. If you struggle with acne, I would definitely check that out. Skincare is the theme of today's episode, and I am so excited for you guys to hear today's show with Jennifer Fugo. She is a clinical nutritionist and a skin rash and gut health expert. She knows about all things skincare, and she's all about just empowering other women who have been failed by conventional medicine to beat chronic skin and gut issues. She has a really incredible story of overcoming a long history of gut problems and eczema, and she really understands her clients. She is so knowledgeable about all things skincare and is really about getting to the root of the issue. So if you're somebody who's interested in skin health, if you are someone or know someone who struggles with acne or eczema or psoriasis, any type of rashes, any type of skin condition at all, you definitely need to listen to this episode and share it with them. You can find resources from Jen at skinterrupt.com. That's S-K-I-N-T-E-R-R-U-P-T.com as well as jenniferfugo.com. And then you can also find more from her on the Healthy Skin Show podcast. It's a really amazing podcast. And make sure you connect with her on Instagram. Her handle is jenniferfugo. And all that information will be in the show notes, of course. Jen is so incredibly sweet, so knowledgeable. I love what she's doing in this space and she just gets the root cause. She tells you how it is. I love her. And I know that you guys are going to love her too. So let's go ahead and hop into this conversation with Jennifer Fugo. I've been so excited to chat with you about skin because this is something that comes up over and over again. Um, I actually, originally the first health issue I ever like dealt with that I was trying to deal with. I always had gut issues growing up, but acne was the one thing that motivated me to actually look at my diet. And I mean, the only change I made was I got rid of drinking milk, but that that was a big one. But I've been fascinated with skin for a long time and you are the skin expert, but you have like a very long kind of complicated health story that brought you into your work now. So I would love for you to just start off by sharing a little bit about your own personal health journey and like where did that all begin for you? Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's exciting to be here, especially because I'm such a big fan. And um, I guess, you know, my passion in all of this and my interest in skin and skin rashes and, and that whole arena started years back, I too had gut issues, but my issues were mostly like diarrhea, gas, bloating, that kind of thing. And I found my way forward through it in using like removing food sensitivities and, um, working on my gut and that kind of thing, which was great and helpful, except for the fact that this whole journey began for me back in 2008. And it wasn't until like the mid 2000s, I was in grad school. So it was like 2015 ish, when my skin 
went nuts and um, decided to have a mind and life of its own that I was not anticipating. Um, now, granted, I was in grad school, so there's a lot of stress when you're trying to run a business and be in school full time. And it became very apparent to me that I didn't know why I was even having rashes and they started on my hands um, between the webbing, the, in the webbing of my fingers. It started as these little crystal balls, like these little pustules um, under the skin. And I, I was like, I've never seen that before. And as the we went into the summertime, it, that those areas became incredibly itchy. And eventually they would begin to burst open. So I would get this oozing. Oh, <laughs> it was like wow. really, really attractive, you know, <laughs> all over your hands. And the redness began to spread up the sides of my fingers, then onto the the, the underside of my fingers. So where your, you know, f- uh, fingerprint is and whatnot, and then down my palms. So eventually, so it wasn't on the back of my hand for the most part. It was on the back of the fingers, but it was on the main part of our hand that you use to do everything. Yeah. And um, I started Googling because it wasn't stopping. And I um, discovered that, and at least I thought, I was like, I think I have dyshidroidic eczema. That's what it looks like. I'm pretty good with Dr. Google. <laughs> I mean, my, well, my dad's a doctor. And so I worked with, for him for a long time. So I've seen a lot of um, conditions up front firsthand and like had his help kind of identifying certain things. But you know, I went to the dermatologist because my dad had given me some steroid cream and it would go away, but then it would immediately come back. And I was like, look, I think I have dyshidrotic eczema. She's like, you do. So good for you. And I said, but I was like, my diet's pretty clean. I haven't eaten gluten, dairy, or eggs in like almost eight years. So I don't really know what else I can do at this point because I've looked online and I'm hoping that you can give me some insight about how I can fix this and make it stop because it is maddening. Well, unfortunately, I mean, I was, I was really excited because she's like, Oh good. You've been gluten-free and dairy-free. But that was pretty much the end of it because she just looked at my hands, handed me another steroid cream, gave me some Vanny cream and then told me, Oh, by the way, you should just like coat your hands then with some Vaseline. It'll help keep the moisture in. Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, are you for like, yeah. what, on what planet is that a normal thing? You tell somebody to just like walk around with Vaseline on themselves all day long. Like I can't even, how am I supposed to touch anything? I'm going to get it on my clothes. It's impractical. <laughs> number one. Yeah. And number two, I don't, I had gashes and wounds and open areas. I didn't want to put Vaseline, which is derived from petrochemicals mm-hmm. on my open wounds. Yeah. I was not okay with that. So this whole process continued. I wasn't getting better. I begged my sister, who's an herbalist, for help. She made me some tinctures. She get, tried giving me some suggestions. I went to Whole Foods. I scoured the body care product. I mean, I was like desperate online buying all these products and trying them and not getting any help. I got to the point where I had to wear blue gloves that I would buy. They're disposable blue gloves from Home Depot. I'd wear those all the time because I could no longer wash my hands. Oh my God. Um, 
Yeah, it was so bad that water, like I couldn't, forget soap, I couldn't even get them wet because the water burned so badly. So I was doing CrossFit at the time. I had to stop going to the gym because I can't get my hands dirty. They can't get sweaty. Can't do that with blue plastic gloves. Um, I had to stop teaching cooking classes because to be fair, and I kind of understand it, most people don't want to see your hands that you use to make the food, even though they're covered up by gloves, it kind of skeeves people out to see your hands when they're really red and damaged and inflamed and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it skeeved people out. And then eventually people just got to the point where they didn't want to touch me, didn't want to shake my hand because they don't understand what it is. They think you're contagious or infected with something. And it got to the point where I turn to my husband and I'm like, I'm going through grad school to help people get better. And here I am getting worse and worse. And I don't know how to make this better. And maybe I'm just fooling myself that I can even help people. Maybe I should just quit. And I really did seriously think about quitting grad school. And so um, my husband turned to me and was just like, you know, maybe you need to rethink the way that you're dealing with this. And like, your school's teaching you how to think outside of the box. And I know that you're really in the box right now, but what if you were to take a step out and say, okay, if somebody came to me with this, these symptoms, what would you do? What would you, what questions would you ask? And that was a real turning point for me because I, I couldn't, I couldn't even open a door at that point. I couldn't wash my hair. I couldn't take showers. I, I couldn't, hold my cats. I couldn't do much of anything because how bad my hands were. So, um, that's when I began down this journey of saying, okay, well, if it's not just my diet, cause I really, I mean, granted my diet could have certainly used improvement and I was having blood sugar issues and all sorts of stuff just from the sheer amount of stress that I was under. What else could be going on that is not really talked about on a lot of websites, because they'll just be like, oh, use this oil, take this, try this supplement, like it's really superficial. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is not helpful when you have these ongoing chronic skin issues, they manage symptoms. But nobody's actually asking what's going on underneath of them to drive the problem forward. And so unless we take the time to like, Stop the car, get out and really take a hard look at what's going on in your body. It can be so easy to just get caught up in this mindset, even if you want to go the natural route of like fixating on, oh, I'm going to use avocado oil and I'm going to use coconut oil, which by the way, you shouldn't use. Um, I'm going to take this supplement and, you know, I'm just going to take collagen. I'm going to do this and I'm going to get better. And that's, I'm going to unfortunately tell everybody, if you've had the experience that it, you don't feel like it works, there's a, there is a reason why. And, um, and so once I got better and it took time, it took like a year, I realized that my journey wasn't over at that point because I kept seeing people who were really sick and I started getting more and more clients that had skin issues And I woke up one day realizing that my journey and the hell that I went through wasn't just, that wasn't the contained journey. In fact, that was really just essentially like chapter one of what my story was ultimately going to be. And that I needed to share this information, all the things that I have found and I continue to research with other people, because I think it's a disgrace that People go to the dermatologist over and over and over again, and they get no help. 
And I understand to many degrees that dermatologists have very good intentions, but something's got to change and people have the right to know what else is out there because the, the level of suffering is just, it's, it's not, it's not right that at this point in time, we're still like steroid cream. Sorry, that's the best we can do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amen. And that's what it is over and over again. Like whenever people come to me and they're telling me they have these skin issues, the dermatologist is either, it's either steroid cream or it's Accutane if it's acne. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, is that all you can do for someone? Like, mm-hmm. It, it really is a disgrace, honestly. So tell me more. Actually, I have quite a few questions. First of all, <laughs> rolling back, why yeah. originally did you cut out gluten, dairy, eggs for, for so long? Like, What prompted that originally? So back in like my, I don't know, for, for about 10, 10 plus years, so my teens into my early to mid-ish 20s, I had really... I had a lot of stomach problems and I was on the diarrhea side of things like explosive diarrhea gas. It stung so bad that something, my husband would say something died in me. Um, I did have rashes on me, but they were more of a spiral pattern on my arms and my legs, Mm -hmm. which I could very easily hide under clothes and weren't nearly as itchy as eczema was. Um, and I had really bad headaches. I used to take Tylenol multiple times a day for Oh goodness, probably 10 plus years, which is my poor liver. (laughs) But, um, I eventually got to the point where I was sleeping more than 11 hours a night and still waking up exhausted. And so eventually, you know, I went to the doctors like, you're fine, take some more B vitamins. And I'm like, no, I think something's actually wrong. And I eventually found a nutritionist. I think that was really the beginning of my journey of seeing the value of of nutritionists and how they could really help someone, the nutritionist helped me see that I had A, I definitely had gut issues. B, a lot of my issues were stemming from this imbalance in my gut. And I had done some food sensitivity testing that clearly showed me that I was very sensitive to gluten, casein, and both egg white and egg yolk of chicken eggs. In fact, my egg egg issue was more severe than everything else to the point where I almost thought I had to drive myself to the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack the last time I had chicken eggs. Oh my gosh. So I took those out and I started to notice over the course of several months a huge improvement in my body. And it just, I stopped having the headaches. I just, everything really improved. And so that was, that was why I just kept that up. Um, starting in early 2008, I, that was just my thing. So now I actually, I don't eat, I still don't eat gluten. Um, I can do some small amounts of chicken eggs. If it's like, say like one egg in a batch of 12 or 24 gluten-free cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's spread out, but I can eat duck eggs with no problem. And I thank Terry Walls every day for giving me that (laughs) suggestion. Um, and I can eat some dairy. I can do cheeses, but I still cannot do yogurt or milk. Those make me nauseous. So, and that's fine. I don't really need them. So mm-hmm. that is, that was how my diet has, has changed and shifted over the years. But yeah, that's where I got started. Okay. Um, I also love that you touched on just like how seeing a nutritionist was who kind of saw, like taught you to look at root cause. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I think it's such an important thing to touch on because I mean, okay. Yeah, I guess we're biased, but biased because I had that same experience too. And I see a lot of people with these health issues and I, 
I personally think the first person to go see should be a nutritionist um, rather than a doctor. Um, just <laughs> that's my own opinion. I don't know how you feel. Um, <laughs> well, I think there's some value to having both. Like if you go to the doctor, the doctor, sometimes I'm like, hey, do you see anything that's like really major and that stands out at you? Because unless the doctor is... <laughs> unless they're really dedicated to listening and they aren't dismissive of your complaints, Mm -hmm. they may pick up on things that you could be blowing off or that you don't think are a big deal. And they may even send you for labs. And honestly, for anybody listening to this, you should be having blood labs run once a year. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you have an insurance issue, then they only allow it for every other year. But like you should be having labs run. You cannot tell me what your hemoglobin level is or what your, you know, one of your liver enzymes. You have no idea what those are unless you have some sixth sense and you could like nail it every single time. You don't have the capacity to look at those metrics just from a standpoint of how you feel. I've got plenty of people. I saw a woman just before we did this who very clearly from her blood labs has some form of anemia Mm -hmm. and she had no idea. I was like, there's a lot of markers here that are really off. They're very skewed. And it's not iron. It's actually either B12 or folate. Don't know which, but we got to actually look in that direction. So those labs can then tell us, especially over time, we can see trends, we can see issues that have developed. So I think my advice to anyone, because I this I really got interested in this in my mid-20s, was just you've got to create a case file on yourself and keep it. And especially in this day and age with all of these technology, it's super easy to create PDFs and keep an electronic digital copy that you could print out or send to a doctor or to a nutritionist. Cause guess what? I'm going to ask you for it anyway. So yeah. With your clients, I, do you have them just, do you like to have them just run a basic blood panel or do you have them add on extra tests? It depends. It really depends. Most of the time people are pretty sick. So we're looking at a bunch of different things, you know, depending on the symptoms, you know, because that's the thing. Insurance needs reasons. You need a legitimate reason why, especially if you're going to get it paid by insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like a CBC panel where they look at your blood cells or uh, a CMP, which is a comprehensive metabolic panel where they're looking at liver and kidney function and blood sugar balance. Um, those are pretty standard and they can tell us some things, but if you've got real fatigue and other, like if you've got tingling in your fingers and toes, the first thing I'm going to say is, okay, we need to look at B12. Mm -hmm. Um, we certainly want to look at folate because it helps balance B12. And then if we can, if we can get the doctor to do homocysteine, which is a really great helper to look at B6, that's also a nice thing to be able to do as well. And it gives us a sense of a little bit of methylation as well. Um, but with skin issues, for example, like vitamin D and vitamin A are both really helpful and can be run in a, on a regular lab panel. It'll tell us whether, number one, if the supplements that you're taking are actually being absorbed. So if you're taking all this D, like 5,000 IUs a day, and it's not, and your level's still low, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the probably main reasons is that you, you aren't able to absorb it. So that, you know, we, it's important to look at these things from the perspective of, okay, are we taking in enough nutrients to support healthy function and the levels or wells, so to speak, in the body? But then also, too, if there is a problem, is it a functional issue that we can then address with, say, 
bile supplementation or um, maybe we need to address inflammation throughout the gut or whatever. So I, I really try and look at it from all different perspectives. Otherwise, then we're just throwing supplements at problems and that's not really helpful either. Yeah. So let's like, I need you to finish this story with yourself and tell me like <laughs> what, so you, you know, you said it took about a year to start to like really kind of heal. And like, so what did you find was kind of the root of the problem for you? How did you go about healing? Well, one piece of it, and actually I need to preface this conversation. There are a lot of root causes. There's, right now I've identified 16 root causes of chronic skin rash problems. And I want to be very clear that every person has usually like three to five. So it's a combo and it mm-hmm. tends to be unique. So I, I, I'm happy to share what I did, but I want to be very clear that it may not work for you. Mm-hmm. for those who are listening, because I know that there's this tendency to go, oh, will this work for her? I'm going to do the same thing. And I expect it to work. That's not always the case. Everybody's got different issues. So my issue, number one, I was having really serious blood sugar problems and hormonal imbalances because I was under a tremendous amount of stress. Stress can be a huge factor, no matter which way you turn. Um, I was incredibly overworked. I was not sleeping well. I was financially stressed. So I had a lot of unmanaged stress that then impacted hormones and the gut. As a result, because of the gut dysfunction, and I wasn't cooking all the time. So I was eating like, you know, it's gluten free, but I was getting like pre made stuff at the grocery store and whatnot. Um, I probably wasn't eating the most nutrient dense food. And I ended up with some nutritional deficiencies that I needed to address. I also realized in doing a lot of self work that the trauma. So I think trauma is a big piece to this and trauma can look like any number of different things. Like a huge trauma like mine was where I, as a kid had been heavily bullied, um, in grade school. And then second, when I was in college, my final year of college kicked off with nine 11 and I lived in Manhattan. Oh, wow. <laughs> so and that was my worst nightmare in moving to New York. I got to live through my worst nightmare so far. And I was like, great. And I really didn't, I hadn't fully processed what had happened. Um, and then also too, I needed to work on improving the amount of nutrients that were in my food that was going to number one, support the healthy regrowth of skin, but that also supported my liver because again, my gut was not in the greatest of shape. And I find that liver and gut tend to go together. And so I created this protocol that, and I can't swallow pills actually, because I I choked. Yeah, I choked on like one of those peppermint red and white candies as a kid. And so (laughs) I get a lot of clients as a result of that who can't swallow pills because I'm very creative. I'm like, okay, what can we do to get this into you? And so I use protein shakes a lot of times as a vehicle for getting supplements and such into people where they can't swallow when they can't swallow pills. Mm -hmm. And so I created these like really great protein shakes that I would take every single day. And that over the course of six months, I had no freaking clue if it was working, to be honest with you, because I still had flares. And I'm like, what am I doing? Is this working? I have no idea. And then at about the six month mark, 
something started to change. So it took six months. <laughs> I want to be very clear because a lot of people think like, oh, you got better in like a month. It's like, no. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not even sure why I kept going except for this little tiny voice in the back of my head that kept pushing me forward. And the flares slowly dissipated. And then at around the eight month mark, I started to have, you know, my skin was still messed up. It takes time. It takes anywhere from 28 to 40 days for your skin, the innermost layer to work its way out. So it assumes that at the moment, that day one where those that newest layer is created, you have to have everything righted in that respect in order for that 28 to 40 day process for that healthy skin layer to finally make its way all the way out. And that's what people don't realize. That's why this takes so much time with skin and why you have to really have patience a lot of times when, especially when it's chronic. And so I started to see like less flares. There was some, still some drying, still some cracking. My nails were wrecked, totally wrecked from the, uh, from the eczema, unfortunately, like lots of pits and whatnot. It looked really gross. And my, um, my knuckles had gotten really thick, like the skin had gotten really thick from just how damaged the everything was. But whatever, I wasn't itchy. I wasn't scratching myself. It's great. And at about the year mark was when it finally looked like my skin was pretty much handled, pretty much in good shape. And at that point, I was like, okay, I feel like good say and I'm probably 85% in remission. I'm pretty good. And I did have a little bit of a setback because I went off of the protocol for about 10 days when I went to Costa Rica with my sister and I started to have some issues come back and I got back on it. They went away and then it took another like, I would say maybe four or five months for my nails to grow back out normal. So my nails look great now, nice and strong. And I haven't honestly had a flare. Mm. The last time I had a hiccup was probably almost two, two and a half two, two, two and a half years ago. So it's been a while. It's been a long while since I've had any issues. And to be honest with you, I thought my journey was over at that point and it wasn't. And so, you know, that's, that's really why I decided to launch my website and the podcast and, and just share everything that I learned because I'm like, people need to know this stuff. Yeah. So kind of like to keep up with this and keep those flares away, like, do you have to, are there certain things you have to do continually? Like, do you have to keep having those protein shakes or like how are you maintaining that before jen answers that question i want to take a brief pause to talk to you guys about a new sponsor we have on the show and one that i'm really excited about and that is daisy if you've been listening to the show or following me for some time i'm sure you've heard me talk about or seen me write about birth control and the health risks of hormonal birth control and I've talked a lot about fertility awareness method. And DAISY is my favorite way to use fertility awareness method. DAISY is an intelligent fertility tracker that I've been using for a few months now, and I am obsessed with it. It's a little device, and all you do is every morning take your temperature, and the DAISY stores all the information. You can sync it up with your phone. They have an app, and you just sync it right up, and it keeps track of your cycle, and you can learn so much about your body from using DAISY, even just beyond when you are and aren't fertile. But I just think this is the easiest way to use fertility awareness method as your form of, quote, 
birth control, your non-hormonal birth control, and just to keep track of when you're fertile and when you're not so you know when you need to pay extra attention in case you were trying to prevent pregnancy or if you're somebody who is looking to get pregnant, you know when your best chance is. So like I said, you just take your temperature each morning and if you are menstruating, you give Daisy that information. They have really simple instructions for how to use it right when you get it. And it takes about two to three cycles usually for Daisy to learn your cycle when you're fertile, when you're not. And then you are good to go. It stores all the information for you. It's right on the app so you can check on your phone. And like I said, you just have such incredible insight into your health. It teaches you so much about your body beyond just when you can get pregnant and when you are less likely to. I think that all women should learn about their bodies and learn about their cycles because it just gives you so much insight into why you might be feeling or experiencing things in your body at certain times of the month. So knowing when you're ovulating, when you're menstruating, how your cycle is changing, how your temperature is changing, um, how your hormones are fluctuating throughout the month, that can help you adjust your nutrition and your training to your cycle as well, which are things that I've written about before and things that cover my program. And this is just the prime example of how the female body is different than the male body. You know, our bodies fluctuate throughout the month and the more knowledge you have about your own body, the more power you have to take control over it and adjust things in your life, whether that be the way you move your body or what you eat or understanding where your emotions are coming from or if you're breaking out, why is this happening right now? The more information you have, you can adjust the necessary things so that you can feel your best. And of course, everybody asks me about my recommendations for non-hormonal birth control and I'm a huge fan of the fertility awareness method. It's what I recommend to all my clients and what I use myself and Daisy is definitely the easiest way to use fertility awareness method. Daisy basically gives you all the information you need. For example, this has given me a lot of insight into how my inflammation changes throughout the month because sometimes I get really inflamed as well as certain times I'll be bloated like more so than other times and I can recognize that it's because of my hormones or even how my thyroid is changing, um, how I respond to different foods when I need more carbohydrates, when I need less, all by tracking my cycle. Every woman should be empowered with this information and that's why I cannot recommend Daisy enough. It's so easy. I was so overwhelmed with fertility awareness method when I first learned about it and this device just does it all for you. There is 30 years of scientific research behind this and I cannot recommend it enough. So if you are interested in getting your own Daisy Fertility Tracker, then go to usa.daisy.me. That's usa.daysy.me. So Daisy is spelled D-A-Y-S-Y. Make sure you get that right. So again, usa.daisy.me, M-E. And if you want 10% off, you can use my discount code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. Again, that will get you 10% off of your Daisy Fertility Tracker. This investment is so worth it. It gives you so much information about your health. First of all, it helps you track your cycle as a form of natural family planning or preventing pregnancy, as well as just gives you information about your body that will just pay dividends in the future. And I just really think that all women should know this information about their bodies. You will so benefit from knowing this information about yourself. It's very empowering. So make sure you check out the Daisy Fertility Tracker. It is a life changer worth every penny and let me know how it goes. 
Okay, now that I've told you guys a bit about Daisy, let's go ahead and hop back into this conversation with Jennifer. She is going to share a little bit more about how she maintains her clear skin now. Well, one thing is that I'm very mindful of how much I wash my hands. Mm. <laughs> so I this also, like I said, I couldn't, wa- I couldn't get in the shower. I don't care how tight those gloves are. Mm-hmm. Water still seeps in. So I have gotten to a point where I really only take showers. And so I'm sorry if for those of you people who have like, you're like germ freaks, we hate this, but I'm sorry, but washing yourself every single day is actually unhealthy to your microbiome. And if you've got skin issues, unless you're like going, working out and you're super sweaty or you're filthy from being outside or at work, there's no reason to be washing and washing your hair every day. Like there are other things that you can do because I cannot wash my hands continuously after every single time I touch a bowl or I touch something in the house. I'm very mindful of how much I put my hands underwater. Number one, I still do have my steroid cream upstairs, but I haven't fortunately had to use it. I just still like I've had that's hell to go through. And I just am like, I have to be prepared just in case. Yeah. Um, but I really make sure I include collagen every day in my diet, whether I do a protein shake or I make like a turmeric latte or a beetroot latte or whatever. I'm adding collagen. I'm making sure to do a liver support. I like to, I'm using currently a sulforaphane support cause I don't, I hate broccoli and I hate kale. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to be honest. I mean, I just, I, like, lo- I, I appreciate everybody- it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I really do. I hate kale. People are like, oh, kale. I'm like, I hate it. My stomach hates it. It's me. I hate kale too. I hate it too. (laughs) I mean, I'll eat it like if it's cooked really well on like certain occasions, but I love broccoli, but yeah, kale, I I don't ever like, I don't choose to eat it. (laughs) No. And everybody's like, I love kale. I'm like, really? They just (laughs) like it because it's popular. They just think it's healthy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also come from a background of having gut issues. So the yeah. cruciferous family, the really dense ones like kale and broccoli would wreck my stomach. So like I can do cauliflower and I actually put cauliflower now in my protein shakes in the morning and it's so good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like anything if it's frozen. Um, and it's a great replacement actually for banana. So if anybody's trying to do like lower sugar and you're like, Hey, I want to do some berries, but I also want that frothiness that banana gives it frozen cauliflower is a great option, believe it or not. Um, but I, let me think I do a multivitamin. So I get in some good nutrients. Mm that yeah I mean that's pretty much I make sure to do like some ground flaxseed I really like ground flaxseed a lot and I've had good luck with that with people have skin issues but no I mean generally speaking it's about managing your stress Mm -hmm. for sure because I know stress is a trigger it's about me supporting my gut health because my my gut is by far the weakest part of my body if I (laughs) I know that through and through um and just making sure that I'm eating as best as I can and um, getting some movement in to help deal with stress and, you know, staying as strong as I possibly can. So no, I mean, I don't have to do a whole lot to manage this. Some of it is lifestyle, but I just, you know, big piece is people are constantly wrecking their microbiomes with like all of these products. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Um, Like, you know, changing your skincare routine definitely helps a lot, but also, 
a lot of people are killing all the bacteria in their homes with all of these really toxic chemicals. And they're like, Clorox this and, you know, spray it with that. 99, we're killing 99.99999% of bacteria. Like, you are covered with bacteria. We have bacteria that lives in us. We have bacteria in our home. We have bacteria in the soil. Like those things are meant to coexist in a happy state. And by wiping any one area out, it has a dramatic impact on other areas. Um, and and I'll just say too, I'm just going to put this out there because I mean, if you're all about being real, then we do have to say that you know, a lot of people I know like to put coconut oil on their skin and for mm-hmm. rash issues, it is the worst thing you can do. It's too antimicrobial. It does the same thing. It's like slathering yourself with antibiotics, unfortunately, because it is really, really antimicrobial. And a lot of people will notice that their skin will get dramatically worse when they slather themselves with coconut oil. It's also not well absorbed because it's way too saturated and lo- the molecules are too large and the pH is too high. So you are driving the pH of your skin up because coconut oil is around like eight on the pH scale when your skin really wants to be around 4.5. And the pH is there. It's partially a chemical environment to help crowd out or prevent bacteria and other organisms that shouldn't be there from taking up residence. So it's important to maintain that that really healthy like 4.5 to 5 range for your pH of your skin. I'm really glad you brought that up. So thank you. Um, And also just this whole thing about people are too clean. um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so with you. And like, people always argue with me about it. And I think I'm so gross. And I'm like, we are way too clean. Like people (laughs) need to Mm -hmm. calm down. Um, But uh, let's go back to the coconut oil for a second. So like, what, what would be a better alternative? If someone wants to put something on topically to calm, like their skin feels really irritated, like is there a better topical alternative? Yeah. So I love jojoba oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because it is very, very close to the sebum that your skin and body already produce. Okay. So that's a great option. And I, I should say this, and everybody always wants like a hard answer. And I'm like, but you could have an allergy. But the truth is, you can be sensitive to anything that's natural or have a legit allergy to it. So just know that if I suggest something, it doesn't mean it's going to be foolproof and work for everyone. So jojoba is a great option. Shea butter can be an, a pretty decent option just depends on how heavy of a cream you're looking for. And plus, if as it goes into the summertime, sometimes shea butter can feel too heavy. But um, jojoba is a really light oil. Sesame seed oil can also be really great, except it does have a really strong odor. And it, I think from more of an Ayurvedic perspective, it's just better for more like the winter or cooler months because it is a very warming oil. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some great research. I know that their omega-6 oils. We're like, oh, it's inflammatory. But when you put it on the skin, understand that it's a little different than ingesting these oils. And there is some great research using safflower and sunflower oil. And I wouldn't suggest going into the cooking aisle and using that oil. Mm -hmm. You probably want to find stuff that is appropriate for your body. Um, But they're really great options, as is olive oil as well. Okay. Great. Thank you. So you're, I think you're, I mean, you're kind of covering these as you talk, but I want to be really clear about some of the, the main causes of chronic skin issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, I know you touched on stress. Mm 
Um, and we touched a, a little bit on gut, the gut microbiome. Could you share a bit more of, did you say that you had 16? Yes, there are 16. <laughs> okay. Can you, can you list them out for us? Yes, 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 yes. So we said unmanaged stress, and we've also got heavy metal toxicity, mm-hmm. environmental toxins, genes. So your genes do play a role. And for some, and that doesn't necessarily just mean the genes that affect the skin barrier. And that like goes into like leaky skin. Um, we have diet and food reactions as a piece microbiome dysbiosis. So it could be that you have too much candida. It could be that you have infections, or it could just be that your microbiome in and of itself is really skewed. You might have way too much E. coli. Um, And then we've got environmental allergies, nutritional deficiencies, autoimmunity and or slash autoinflammation, gut dysfunction. And I actually put that very separate from microbiome dysbiosis issues because people have become so fixated on microbiome issues that we forget to back up a second and go, wait, are we chewing our food enough? Mm-hmm. Do we have enough stomach acid in order to, to actually digest the food, especially proteins? Do we have enough bile and enzymes in order to finish that job of digestion? And then can we absorb them? Because you are what you absorb. You are not what you eat. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to look at that in and of itself outside of the microbiome because they're really two separate issues. They impact and affect each other, but they are separate. Um, liver detoxification challenges. I already discussed the trauma piece, which yeah, it might be like nine 11 for me, or maybe people have had like some really serious issues in their past, but it could also be a car accident that you were in or the death of a love, a sudden death of a loved one or a pet, or maybe you're in like, you're at go to work and your boss is incredibly abusive and humiliates you. It doesn't matter that those type of traumas can be, have a really significant impact on you. Um, and they can be big or they can be small. And then thyroid dysfunction is another big one. Drug reactions, so believe it or not, some drugs can actually trigger the skin issues in the first place or perpetuate flares. Mitochondrial dysfunction and mitochondria are the little power plants in every cell that we have. They're important for generating the energy currency of the body known as ATP. And then hormone imbalances, things like uh, estrogen, testosterone, that kind of stuff. Wow. So... All the things. Are there yeah. a, f- a few of those that you find to be the most common? Like if someone is just getting into this and it's like here, maybe like where would you start? Like the top three or four that you're like, maybe look into these ones first before we get into the ones further down the list. Yeah. I would say the first place to look is gut function. Mm-hmm. And then definitely the microbiome. I will say that about 90 to 94 percent of my clients who have chronic skin conditions, even if they poop like a champ one to three times a day, perfect poop, no gas, no bloating, no belching, no nothing, 90 to 95 percent have gut problems. 
Okay. And it just doesn't manifest as those symptoms. Mm-hmm. So that is the first place that I start looking. And then I'm like, okay, the next spot is, do we have nutritional deficiencies? Because your skin is like, it requires so much nutrition in order to rebuild appropriately. And so if the body is struggling, like, let's just, let's for a second, I know with functional medicine and the functional approach, we like to say everything's connected, but just for a moment, let's just pretend that everything is not quite connected in one whole piece and say, well, if we have a totem pole of priorities here, the skin, unfortunately, is the lowest. Like it, you could have wrecked skin, you could have gashes and wounds, and you're still going to walk around, you might not be happy, you might not feel well, but you're going to still walk around. However, if you got a problem with your heart, you got a problem with your brain, you got a problem with your lungs or your liver or your kidneys, you will, you very likely will die depending on how severe it is. Mm-hmm. So if we have an issue in these other symptoms, systems, they will take, they will take precedence over the skin. And unfortunately, what that means is that as you take in nutrients, if they are needed elsewhere before the skin, they will go to those other places first, because you have to address all the other problems before the skin oftentimes will correct itself. Wow. Okay. There's a lot to think about here. So I I also want you, I mean, I want you to talk more about this idea of leaky skin. Yeah. Because I think people are familiar with leaky gut, but what, what does leaky skin mean? Leaky skin means that the barrier of the skin is dysfunctional. So similar to leaky gut, because a lot of people are familiar with that, and they're like, okay, we've got this gut lining where the junctions or the little, I like to describe it as almost like a brick wall, the mortar mix between the bricks has become degraded, and now you've got bugs and vines and things that are growing into the house where they shouldn't. And so in that particular case, we've got parts of gut bugs, or we've got partially undigested food proteins sneaking into the body, triggering very specific immune cascades. So in the case of the skin, it's kind of similar in that what should be sealed nice and tight to help maintain moisture within the skin is no, no longer able to do that. And we'll also see that typically in conjunction with some sort of microbiome dysbiosis on the skin, things like staph aureus, which should not really be on your skin in cases of eczema or atopic dermatitis, we see an increase in staph aureus, where there shouldn't that shouldn't normally be living and thriving on your skin. Um, It also tends to coincide with internal inflammation that's driven way up as a result of consuming you know, foods that are not digesting appropriately or a really junky diet where you haven't cleaned things up. So that's also driving our inflammatory processes or elevations in histamine, whether it's you just seem to be sensitive to histamine rich foods like fermented foods, which are all the rage now. But if you've got an issue with like lots of itching, that might not be the best thing for you to be consuming because fermented foods and cured meats and that kind of stuff can actually cause an increase in histamines if your body is not able to properly address the histamine in the gut or your uh, your immune cells are releasing, the mast cells are releasing histamine as a result of something. So those are issues. There's also the problem that 
I mean, when you have skin issues, you scratch because yeah. the itching will drive you insane. It is like a level of hell. If you have not been in it, it is a level of hell that you cannot imagine. I used to wake up and discover that I'd have a gash in my hand because I apparently was itching in my sleep. I had no idea because my hands were so itchy. And there were times when I couldn't stop it. So I would try and I'd put all this stuff on my hands and then put these like white gloves over top and just try and like <laughs> prevent anything from touching them. Like put a nice barrier. I look like a little uh, waiter walking around with white, white fabric gloves on, which it did kind of help. But the increased scratching actually increases this barrier dysfunction. Poor thyroid function does. That's why I have it on the list of root causes because it, when you're in a state of Hashimoto's or just subclinical hypothyroidism, there's a reduced blood flow out to the skin. And as a result, think about it, less blood, which carries nutrients, means less nutrients, and it's less waste removal. And because everything produces waste in the body. And so you have this state where it's just the skin's not getting what it needs. And it's also not being filtered out appropriately of, of toxins that are produced. But there is also a genetic component to this. Some people do have an increase in a SNP for a gene called filagrin, and it produces a protein that actually helps sort of cement the barrier in place. And when we start to see a breakdown in this like faulty filagrin production, um, which can happen because of a genetic issue. About 30% of people have this SNP, but also the more you have internal inflammation, the more you scratch, you can actually trigger faulty filagrin production yourself. So that's why it's very important. People will be like, I'm just gonna throw the steroid cream out. And I'm like, mm, hold the phone. I used steroid cream. I know that we have to use it really mindfully and carefully and you want to use it as sparingly as possible and as little as possible and as least often as possible. However, you got to get to a point where you're not going to rip your skin off and we need to keep the inflammation low because the more that process is happening, the longer and more difficult this is going to be. So, um, you know, talk to your doctor about what's the best way if you're using it a lot to slowly reduce the amount that you use and don't necessarily feel like you're a failure if you keep using it. Um, I used it and I don't regret it. You just have to be cough careful because if you go cold turkey, you can trigger something um, called topical steroid withdrawal. And that is awful. If you thought your current rash is bad, that is like a whole new level of hell that can last up to a year. You basically could have a rash on eczema on your leg, for example, totally stop the steroid cream, cold turkey, and it will spread all over your body. And there is unfortunately not much that one can do to really help it stop and the symptoms are awful. So um, your skin can become addicted to steroid creams. So just talk to your doctor about it and uh, just to make a, an informed decision about the best way to slowly step yourself off of it. I'm really glad you said that because I think today's in today's world, the internet people like to take themselves off of things <laughs> um, mm -hmm. immediately. So definitely need to work with your doctor on that. Um, I just, I wanted to ask you this. Um, so what do you think of these products now, like skincare products with probiotics in them? Well, I'm on the fence still. I found some benefits with some products and others I really don't know. Hmm. Um, you know, here's the thing. The probiotics, or the 
the bacteria that live in your gut are different than the bacteria that are on your skin, generally speaking. And one reason why is that the bacteria in the gut ferment fiber. The bacteria on the skin actually eat fat. You know, like nobody's rubbing themselves down with acacia fiber, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Nobody's doing that. We're slathering, or at least we've gotten wise to that idea that it's okay to actually put oil on your skin. I mean, I came from the era of having acne in the 1990s, where like, God forbid you put any oil on your skin, that must have been the root cause of all of your acne issues, which is not entirely true. And so it took a long time for me to get out of that mindset. But now in looking at the research that's coming out, more and more of it is saying, hey, you know, we have a lipidome. The, these bacteria actually really like oil. Um, so whether those bacterial or probiotic products work, I think I don't, I really don't know. I've had some clients, I get sent a lot of different things and sometimes I'm passing them along to clients to tr test out and try because they're desperate. They're happy to do it. Some of them have worked to some degree, like they'll kind of help symptoms. I've had some clients where they'll actually just take probiotics. Like I like to use Megaspore in my practice and like they'll put some olive oil or jojoba oil on the area where the rash is and they'll just open the capsule and sprinkle very lightly, but sprinkle some of that probiotic on the skin and let it sit for 20 minutes, half hour. I've had one client, I think she puts it on her son's scalp for like two hours every night. And they found that to be really helpful. It's, it's not going to fix you. I think that's the one thing to realize it's not going to fix you at all. But there are things that you can do to say, okay, if I do have dysbiosis, what can I do to support my skin rather than wiping out all the bacteria and leaving this blank canvas for anything that wants to come live on me to come set up camp? Mm -hmm. So whether they work, I think the jury's still out, but I do, I can tell you this and it's important that people understand that the gut microbiome and the skin microbiome communicate. And so the, the skin microbiome is sort of like second in command, so to speak. The gut microbiome is the first and it dictates out to the skin, like basically the balance of things, how it should be set up. And so if your gut microbiome is a mess and we are not producing the appropriate amount of butyrate, which is this short chain fatty acid that is made by gut flora when it ferments fiber. Those short chain fatty acids are signals out to the microbiome on the skin to be like, hey, everything's cool. You guys, like, look, we've got, we're healthy, everything's good. We've got, like, it all set up, we're, we're great. When you don't have, when you've got a messed up microbiome and you're not producing enough of, of butyrate, you have a major problem because that communication signal is broken essentially. It's not, it's not being heard essentially by this out exterior microbiome and that can also be an issue. So that's why I always look at the gut first because mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't have enough butyrate. They don't, like the microbiome's messed up. And on top of it, if you have a gut infection, 
It also means that your liver or detoxification system may be overrun with too much toxins and your body is like trying to deal with this stuff and get it out. And that's another way that it can end up, you know, coming out essentially on the skin. So we really have to keep in mind that the skin is so much more than just the skin. There are symptoms, there are signs asking you to look deeper and say, okay, what is really struggling right now? I'm not going to lose sight of my skin. I certainly need to do something to support it, but I've got to look a little broader. Mm-hmm. So I really want to, I want to dive into the, the nutrition side of things. Um, Cause I have like a lot of questions here and I think, oh, okay, let's start off by talking about what are some potential food triggers in terms of like food intolerances or just common ones that you see like besides I think a lot of us like you know the gluten the dairy eggs but are there any other main food triggers that you recommend people look into well I will say um, note about eggs Um, for some reason and I have no clinical like research data on this Mm -hmm. but in speaking to a lot of my functional medicine colleagues uh, a lot of doctors who are very well respected in what they do. Um, we've all kind of found that eggs can sometimes be a real problem for people, chicken eggs specifically. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't tried taking them out, that might be a worthwhile thing to do. As far as other things, um, just general dietary things, like I said, um, histamine-rich foods can sometimes be an issue. That's probably more of the the one thing that I'll ask people to uh, stop consuming. So like all the fermented products, even coconut aminos, um, and I'll even say like, look at your condiments. Is there vinegar in any of these condiments? You're not going to be able to, it, like it's, it does stink. I know. But if you're having a high amount of itching and, you know, we're even trying something like a DAO enzyme, which helps break down histamines in the gut from food that you eat, that's not really helping. Then it's like, okay, let's try and reduce histamine exposure by reducing histamine rich foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't put people on a low histamine diet right out the gate because that's super difficult. What I would prefer is to go after things like hard cheeses, my beloved salami. <laughs> I'm Italian. <laughs> I would die probably if I couldn't have salami. It's okay. Um, you know, and any fermented product, yogurts, fermented foods, that kind of thing. Um, I would say the next thing would be salicylates. But here's the thing with salad. So salicylates for those, do you know what salicylates are, Christina? Yeah. I should ask. Okay, cool. So a lot of people don't know. They're like, salicylates, what's that? Salicylates are a phytochemical that plants naturally produce to protect themselves when they're growing in the wild. They don't want to be eaten by bugs and whatnot. And they happen to occur in very healthy, healthy, healthy foods. So if you start eliminating salicylates from your diet, which is often recommended in a lot of like the eczema world, you will find that your diet is really limited and it can become very bland and um, upsetting (laughs) that you're like, why am I doing this to myself? It's also very difficult. Uh, Like beets, for example, which are one of my favorite, favorite things. And I also consider them to be a really great food for skin health. They're high in salicylates. And so for a long time, when I started thinking about this, I was like, why are we 
so obsessed over a, sal- a salicylate intolerance or a, a sensitivity. Like, what's the deal with that? Because I don't get the mechanism behind why this would even be a problem. And because from my clinical nutrition background, we had to look at the biochemistry of like all the phase two detox pathways in your liver. Mm-hmm. And salicylates, which the most famous and recognizable one, it comes from aspirin. That has salicylin in it, which, you know, the more natural version is willow spark. And so we're, everybody knows what aspirin is. Well, mm-hmm. salicylate-rich foods, the problem is that ver- a very specific pathway in your liver called the glycine conjugation pathway it becomes overwhelmed and can no longer process, process these phytochemicals. And so people are avoiding, going nuts, avoiding these foods. And I'm like, hold the phone. That's actually telling us that your liver needs to be supported. And what we need to look for is adding in more glycine, which is an amino acid, more B6, and more magnesium to help support this pathway so it can do its job, not just take everything out and say, oh, my body can't handle it. We actually don't know that. And so that that's another, I would say, big one. As far as psoriasis is concerned, there is some research that demonstrates that nightshades can be very helpful to remove. What was interesting was I was trying to figure out, like, what exactly is it about nightshades that is causing the problem? And nightshade vegetables and fruits, they have salicylates in them, they have histamines, and they have the, like, solanine, which is that whole nightshade family. That's sort of what makes them nightshades. But, you know, I, I really try to be judicious in what I ask people to remove because what I have found is that people have backed themselves into this corner of just blaming food and they end up on this shrinking iceberg of a diet and they're cutting out nutrition. And so I would much rather prefer instead of them going nuts and going, Oh, I think I have a candida issue. or I think I have this. Let's actually figure that out and tailor to you what your body needs in order to thrive as opposed to just like taking things out and throwing darts in the dark. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I'm wondering also, um, what about just nuts and seeds in general? I think it really depends. Some people do well on them. Some people can't tolerate them. Mm-hmm. It just really depends. Um, I think the other thing, the other, just one other point about food sensitivities in general, I do always ask people to take gluten out just mm-hmm. simply because it increases gut permeability, not because I think it's the devil. And, um, you know, food sensitivities are really a symptom. They're not a root cause. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's very important. It's been We've oversold people on this concept of just removing foods endlessly and that you'll just get better. And that's actually not true. And it drives a lot of the um, the diet issues that we have with orthorexia mm-hmm. as a result of acting like everything is the devil because of this chemical or this exposure or whatever. Should we try and all eat 100% organic? Yeah, that'd be great. Can all of us afford it? Probably not. Is that necessarily practical for everyone? Probably not. But would it be nice to try and make educated decisions about what your diet should look like so that you can actually begin to feel better and eat the most nutrient-dense diet humanly possible and not go nuts trying to avoid random weird things in your food? Yeah, I think elimination diets have just gotten so popular, but people 
forget the reintroduction phase. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think it's just important to keep that in mind. But I do want to, like, when you are recommending someone try and eliminate a few foods just to see if that makes a difference, how long do you generally recommend they, they give that a chance for before deciding, okay, that didn't do anything? Say that again. Sorry. So, like, how long do you recommend... So, say someone's going to test, like, if nuts are Mm -hmm. causing them to have um, skin rashes or something. So, Mm -hmm. how long would you recommend they they eliminate those um, before, like, like giving that a chance to work? Uh, So, basically, it... So, with a food sensitivity... I would say that if we knew for sure that we suspected something, I would probably ask them to wait until they see a really good resolution or pretty close to a good resolution of their symptoms. Mm -hmm. If it's something like uh, histamines or salicylates or something else, those you could probably determine what's whether they're an actual issue within two to three weeks okay. of being off of them. It's it's a lot faster. Like you'll know if you take FODMAPs out, for example, you should know, a, you should see a difference within two to three weeks. If you don't, that's not the issue. And even if it is an issue, that's telling you right there, your gut floor is messed up. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, Something else I wanted to ask was, do you notice any correlation between like macronutrient ratios and skin conditions like if people are going um too low carb or too high carb or like like keto like can that affect it absolutely the one biggest problem i'll be honest with you that i see over and over and over again is eating too low of protein Mm. um and it's weird because i think we live in a society where we think that everybody's just eating protein all day long but you have to think of the mindset most people like they're really frustrated with their doctor. One of the most accessible things that they can check out are a lot of these videos and documentaries on getting healthy. (laughs) And so they watch them where they're like, we don't need all this protein. We're never going to have a protein. You're never going to be protein deficient. So you should just like cut back on your protein. And what I commonly see, especially because I work with mostly women, mm-hmm. they do not eat enough protein to even support just healthy, like just to be healthy. And they are cutting out even serving sizes of vegetarian protein. So like they're like if they're eating lentils or something like, oh, well, I went down to a half a cup of lentils. And I'm like, okay, but you're not eating any meat. And where are you getting your protein from? Well, I don't need that. I, you know, I read, I watched this thing and I'm like, okay, hold the phone. Protein is really important for a number of reasons, but your body doesn't have this unlimited source of protein. I know that we say like, oh, no, no, I have my muscles. (laughs) You don't want to use your muscles for other things. Um, We need a constant influx of protein in order for the body to thrive. And so we just put the muscles aside for a second. Number one, if your skin's really messed up or you have like a pretty... I don't know, even with my autoimmune clients who don't have skin issues, because I do work with some clients that have gut issues or Hashimoto's and whatnot in my, my practice, dramatically increasing protein. So the daily intake is closer to like 70 to 80 grams a day. Within a couple of weeks, they oftentimes feel so much better. Like not 100%, but there's a noticeable improvement in energy, brain fog, a lot of different things. And the reason is that 
when you have a protein, right? So pretend you have a chicken breast and we look a little deeper. And if we were to look and we say, oh, wow, that chicken breast is actually made up of amino acids. You can imagine that as being this block of Legos. And each Lego is a different amino acid, right? So we're thinking about it in the smallest possible terms. And so those different little Lego pieces or amino acids are required to be re, like, that's why when you eat beef, that, you know, if you did happen to eat a burger that was not grass fed and the, the cow was fed corn, you, you don't have corn inside of you. The, the cow's body took those proteins in the corn and it reassimilated them the way it needed to into its protein. And we do the same thing. We break down the proteins into the amino acids and then re, we form them into our own little uh, Lego blobs, so to speak. And so that looks like your enzymes, which are necessary for life and speed up biochemical processes. It's important for your neurotransmitters. And it's also really, really critical for some of your hormones. Your thyroid hormone especially is built off of tyrosine, which is an amino acid. So a lot of times that's a reason why people will oftentimes feel better is because they've so depleted themselves and they don't have enough stomach acid, and they don't even know half the time they don't have enough stomach acid to digest protein, that they're not absorbing it. And so we've got this twofold problem where they're not eating enough and they're not even absorbing what they are eating. Protein is incredibly important. If you want to rebuild healthy skin, that is critical for rebuilding healthy new tissue. So protein, yes. <laughs> okay, and I would second that. Almost every single person who comes to me is not eating enough protein, in my opinion, um, especially the women. It's like they think that they don't need mm -hmm. much because I don't know. I think it was the bodybuilding world who told everyone that they don't that we eat too much protein. You know, like because protein powders become popular, and then people um, become obsessed with those and then in that world they were eating too much so then everyone was like everyone's mm -hmm. eating too much protein <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> no they're not um okay what about what about fats and carbs I don't really have an issue so much with those mm -hmm. <laughs> um I will say that some people really rely too heavily on carbs some people I, you know, to be honest with you, I've never worked with a skin client that was on keto and I don't usually recommend they go keto um, simply just because it's not my area of expertise. But also mm -hmm. if you're eating keto, um, you know, a lot of times people have are because their gut is messed up. When you have a state of leaky gut or gut permeability, and your gut is inflamed and it's not happy, there is an increased risk for what's called steatorrhea or the basically like your gut does not absorb lipids or fats. And I, I'm trying to nourish somebody and get as much into them as humanly possible. So what I don't want is to shift the diet so heavily to depend on fat when I know that there's likely an underlying gut problem where absorption is going to be compromised. So for me, um, most clients aren't eating excessive amounts of fat. They're usually eating too many carbs um, and too little of protein. So you know, and, and eating too many carbs, well, yes, we could argue, well, it feeds bad gut flora and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for the most part, simple shifts, like just, I'll just usually ask people, I'm like, hey, do you, I know breakfast is hard. Could we do like a protein shake in the morning? It's really easy, simple recipe. You could, you know, have it done in five minutes or less. 
and they're willing to do that and they find that they say stay satiated enough and it really shifts their choices for the rest of the day. So to me, I'd rather find the, the easiest way into a solution rather than going, we have to reorganize your entire day. And most people can't handle that level of change. So it's just amazing how one change can be can really have a dramatic impact on the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what about um, foods to add in? Like, are there certain foods that are really helpful? Obviously, there's going to be individual variation here, but just mm-hmm. in general that you consider to be like skin nourishing foods. Yeah, and I actually wrote a really great article on this. So if anybody wants the science behind all of these, like maybe we can share that. But mm-hmm. um, wild caught salmon is a really great option or other cold water fishes like cod just because they usually do have a high amount of omega-3s in them. Um, I would say ground flaxseed is awesome, which I've already mentioned. But if you have diarrhea and that's your like normal thing, um, I would say don't do ground flaxseed because it might just make it worse. Um, I love col- collagen. And I will say this because if we're going to be real, there is no such thing as vegan collagen. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, like I, I go to these food conventions and they're like vegan collagen. Like it's all about vegan collagen this last time. And I'm like, dude, oh that's God. not a thing like that. That is not true. Stop telling people that's a thing. That's really fancy marketing. And I get that everybody's like trying to be more plant based. And that's like the direction a lot of things are going. But that's not a thing. There's no such thing as vegan collagen. Um, collagen comes from typically if we buy it, it's coming from beef, it's coming from chickens, and it's coming from fish. Those are the three main sources. If they can figure out how to get that out of algae, awesome. But (laughs) right now, those are the three sources that you got. It's a white powder. Um, Most of my clients prefer it to be like a white powder that doesn't have any flavor to it. Um, And you certainly could make your own bone broth if you want, though, to be entirely fair, there is also research suggesting that you're not guaranteed any amount of collagen when you make your own bone broth. So just know that. I love to recommend like one to four tablespoons a day and you can add it to cold things or hot things. Doesn't matter. That's so Um, interesting about the bone broth. Yeah, it, it was, it's really surprising. And there's also been some interesting research into it as far as like heavy metals and contaminants in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my colleague, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, they actually ran a bunch of labs on that. And I think they were a little taken back by some of the results. I don't quite remember because it was like a year and a half ago what exactly they found. But there has been more and more research. I mean, the truth of the matter is it depends on how long you cook it, depends on how much is present, how much is extracted. And nobody's doing tests in their kitchen to find out how much collagen is actually in their bone broth. So, you know, you have to consider that like, if your body's sick and it needs support, maybe leaning on some supplementation might actually be helpful in that particular moment. And then when you get back to being a better health, then it doesn't matter. You can go back to your bone broth and relying on that, or you can go back to relying solely on food for things. But when you're sick, you kind of like, I'm not going to try and treat a gunshot in my house. I'm going to go to the hospital at that moment. Like that's what my body requires. And when you're really sick and you've been sick for a long time, you have to remember you got to step things up because it is going to take an extra level of support in order to help refill the wells and really support things. I know that's not quite a great analogy, but you get the point. Um, The other piece is ghee. Ghee is also a really great option as well. 
Um, so I would highly recommend ghee uh, because it is a good source of butyrate. And um, I'm trying to think what else. Beets, as I said, the only thing with beets that can be a little funny is that if you have that salicylate issue or a liver detox challenge, that can be a problem. Um, and so you just want to be mindful of, of that. And then, um, the other one that I'll, I'll share, but I can't, I, and the only reason I can't speak to it too much is that there's not enough research on it is reishi mushrooms Mm -hmm. because of its um, immunomodulating effects. So we're, you know, I'm really excited to see more about that and what it may, what the potential may be. I've seen some interesting case story research about what, its use in like all of these like more scaly type skin conditions, um, probably more along the lines of like psoriasis and whatnot. But that's one that I'm keeping on my radar. Okay. Thank you. That's very helpful. I want to try and squeeze out two more questions. This first sure. one, this first one I hope you can rapid fire, but like what are like kind of the top most common nutrient deficiencies that might be driving skin issues? So like I would assume like vitamin D would be one. Okay. Vitamin D for sure, vitamin A, zinc, and magnesium. Those would be like some of the main ones to okay. take a look at. Okay, awesome. So people should definitely check into those first. And then the other thing is with products, like, I mean, how do you help someone navigate which, which skincare products to use to avoid? Do you have like a rule of thumb with that? I would just say when you have skin, pro- skin problems like eczema, dandruff, etc. The one thing is simplify, Mm -hmm. keep it as simple as possible, because you don't know if you're allergic to one of the ingredients in it, or if it's irritating. And so that's where I'll say, look, just buy single oils, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just use those. That way we minimize what might be and actually that kind of goes for supplements too. FYI, it it goes both ways, because if you're consuming things with like tons of greens in them, there could be one thing in there in that laundry list that's causing a problem. So simplify as much as possible. I would also advise you if you, as long as, if you don't have rashes on your face, then that's fine, but you can't use anti-aging products over skin rashes. It's a really bad idea. Um, your skin needs to be, needs support, not, not, don't worry about anti-aging right now. <laughs> okay. What What is your opinion on, I mean, just in general, when skin products have gluten in them, do you think people who have celiac should avoid that? Generally speaking, yes. Uh So especially if you have celiac disease and the big reason why, think about it, take a shower, clean yourself off, get out of the shower, slather yourself with like some sort of lotion, right? Mm -hmm. That has gluten in it. Do you wash your hands after you put that lotion on? Yeah. Nobody does. And then what happens when you go downstairs to make yourself dinner and you're touching the food and then you're eating it and you touch your mouth and whatever. Yeah. So I absolutely think if you've got celiac disease or you've got an autoimmune disease, it's better to use products that do not have gluten in them. Whether you go the length of using like hair care and and products like uh, shampoo and conditioner, I don't know that that's really a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had not much luck using natural hair care products uh, when I do wash my hair, but I would be mindful of things like hairspray 
and um, dry shampoo that's aerosolized. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of really great uh, dry shampoos out there now that are like either powder or sprinkle and some are even tinted that can really help also to extend your showers and you don't need to shower every day. Get dirty. Yes, it's okay to get dirty. Absolutely. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You are just a wealth of information. I feel like I don't I don't know how you keep all this in your brain. I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm sure this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people because I just know how, you know, struggling with skin conditions, whether that be psoriasis, eczema, like any type of rash or acne, it's like it's emotionally very difficult. It is. It absolutely is. And that's one reason too. like, I I started the healthy skin show simply because I wanted people to not just hear about the latest research, but to realize that there are a bunch of root causes out there. And the emotional component of living with these, these conditions is, is pretty heavy. And so it's important to me that people feel like they have a community that hears them and that they're able to really get their needs met because it sucks living with skin issues. I know I did it for too long. I'm so grateful and blessed that I don't have these issues. And I, I am reminded every day working with all my clients of where they are and what it was like. And so, you know, anything that I can do to help somebody piece things together and just make more informed choices. It's not necessarily about saying, oh, drugs are bad or this or that. No, it's like you're on your journey. You've got to do what's right for you. But you should just know what all the options are in front of you before you make that choice. Yeah, definitely. And I think just like you sharing all this, if anything, like should give people hope because I know a lot of people just kind of give up um, Mm -hmm. because they feel like they just don't know. But there are so many potential root causes that like you can always turn over another stone and see what's happening. Um, So I think that this will help a lot of people as well not to give up because, I mean, you are a great success story here. And also I think just sharing that it can take time and to like give it time to work Mm -hmm. rather than just try something for two weeks and be like, it's not working. I'm giving up. Like it can be a journey. It is a journey. It's taking, I'm going to be entirely honest. It's taking the scenic route Mm -hmm. as I call it. It takes time. It's not like the drug that you get. It's not a steroid cream. It's not the super highway to clear skin. It does take time. And so you know, there's no reason why you can't maybe combine both, you know, whatever your needs are and where you are. Um, I just, it, it angers me. I think that like, I don't never heard a dermatologist except the more integrative forward thinking ones now that I've met ever talk about any of these. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real missed opportunity within dermatology as a whole to help support patients that are struggling And so anything that I can do to make that a little easier and help somebody connect the dots, I feel like that's, that's why I'm here is to give back. Amazing. Well, you're doing a great job at giving back. So thank you. And if you want to learn more from you and get more of your content, maybe work with you, where can they find all of your content? I have two websites. The first, which is dedicated to skin, is skinterrupt.com. So it's skin and interrupt smashed together. (laughs) Um, They can also find me over at jenniferfugo.com. I also have the Healthy Skin Show podcast as well. And then I'm over on Instagram for some like daily thoughts and whatnot. And your Instagram handle is? It will be jenniferfugo. 
And um, it's something else right now, but it will definitely be Jennifer Fugo by the time this podcast is released. (laughs) Okay, awesome. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you again, Jen. I had so much fun chatting with you and I cannot wait to hear what people think about this. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Jennifer for coming on the podcast and sharing all of her knowledge. I'm sure you guys took notes. She has a lot to share and she is just full of all the info that we all need to hear love her work and make sure you check out more from her at skinterrupt.com jenniferfugo.com the healthy skin show podcast and also on instagram at jenniferfugo don't forget there's one more day left to sign up for my paleo woman lifestyle program this is the last time i'm running the online course as a group coaching program you can be from anywhere in the world and join in on this and i want to see you there so go to bit.ly slash paleo woman lifestyle if you want in on this final round if you enjoyed the show make sure you share it with your family with your friends with your uber drivers all your acquaintances tell everybody it means the world to me when you guys post about it on social media so keep doing that tag me tag the guest tag wellness wellness podcast and also make sure you are in our facebook group wellness wellness podcast tribe post about whatever the heck you want in there i want to know what you're thinking about all your thoughts let me know what's up that is it for this episode hope you enjoyed it thanks again for listening i hope you have an amazing rest of your day and i will chat with you again next time bye